everybody. It's Thursday. It's the Fan Morning Show, Sports Center 590 The Fan. Ben Ennis, Brian Gunning. That's me. I like how you, you left, s- the, left the room. I was gonna, I'm going to jump in. I don't know what to say. No, I was going to... So you you decided we, we didn't have a an agreed upon intro song Mm-mm. to this program Mm-mm. on no, Monday we show. Did not. So last second, you know, I was like, I don't care. You, you, Brent, what do you think? And you said New Orleans is sinking, yeah. and I don't want to swim. Mm-hmm. Which is a great song, yeah, by a great Canadian band. Agreed. Maybe the greatest Canadian band. Zero qualms from me. But like I mentioned. Talking to Tyler Stewart of the Bare Naked Ladies mm-hmm. when it came to Toronto Maple Leafs goal songs. When you're talking about certain sporting things mm. and the lyrics kind of match what's happening, Not and the good. Blue Jays perhaps sinking mm-hmm. out of the American League wildcard picture. Yep. Yeah, that's that 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 hits extra hard. It's not as bad as I don't remember if I actually followed through on this or just said we should do it, but after a particularly tough and uh, bear with me, I don't remember which one, but Leafs playoff loss of yesteryear, I definitely at least suggested starting a show with Johnny Cash's hurt. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I am very much one to match the mood, uh, but that that was not intended. But uh, the Blue Jays certainly leaning right into it for sure. All right, so here's the situation right now: Rangers win, Astros win, which means that Yuck. the Mariners lose. So as it currently stands, the Blue Jays still in a playoff spot naturally, and two games up on the Seattle Mariners, who are the first team out of the postseason. Everybody's been eliminated in the American League except for the four teams that are vying for those three spots in the American League. They are a half game up on the Astros now with four games to go. The Astros uh, only have three games to go. The Blue Jays, of course, only control the tiebreaker against the Astros. They do not against the Mariners. The Mariners wrap up their season with four games against the Rangers. So the math is still good. Fangraphs has them. I mean, it was 97 yeah, point something today? the other day. We're, we're down below 90 oh. now, but, but only barely. 89.9% chance of making the playoffs. The first two games of the series, hard to imagine them going anywhere. So like if, if, if the Blue, Jay, the Blue Jays... Uh, the offense hasn't been great all season long, but it really hasn't been great these first two games. If every single hit that they've gotten in this series was a home run, yeah. they'd be losing <laughs> 8-5 to the New York Yankees. It's been abysmal. Brandon Belt was the only Toronto Blue Jays player yesterday with a hit. It was, and Garrett Cole is going to be the American League signing yeah. award winner, and he has the Blue Jays to thank for that. Holy cow, <laughs> the the numbers that the Blue Jays have put up against Garrett Cole, this from Katie Sharp on, on Twitter yesterday, Garrett Cole finishes the season with a .31 ERA in four starts against the Blue Jays. <laughs> the only Yankees with four starts versus a team in a season and a lower ERA were Mel Stottlemyre, who had a zero <laughs> ERA against the Angels in 72, and Bob Turley had a .25 ERA against the Orioles in 1958. So yeah, no, uh, um, the Blue Jays are saying, Garrett Cole, you are our daddy. Yeah, very much so. I also love when I get a stat that shows me that uh, old pitching coach who I've known is just that, 
uh, my whole life. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, there's a reason he's a pitching coach. Mm-hmm. I'm, I imagine some children go through that with Greg Maddox when he waddles out to the mound uh, occasionally on any any given uh, time there. The Cole thing, it is a little fitting that he's been the Jays' daddy this year because uh, it was his injury that allowed Robbie Ray to steal the Cy Young from him. Not that Ray couldn't have got it on merit, but that kind of kissed, uh, put, a, put a nail in the coffin there. I mean, you... I am the king of telling people I don't want to hear this, so feel free to roll your eyes at me. You have faced some tough arms the last two days. That, king, there's no doubt th- about that. Okay, so yes, of course. But mm-hmm. you're not facing a tough arm tonight. You have to, have to, have to find a way. Like th- this team, we continue to have these conversations about coming through in moments. And I understand the idea of, okay, you've faced some tough arms. Jose Barrios is not a slouch. And look at the amount of strings or hits the Yankees were able to string together. It It is, I don't know, and it's a maybe an unfair thing to say, but it is not lost on me. Mm-hmm. And I understand one of them's a pitch coming from Barrios versus what Vlad was dealing with the other night. But the pitch that Aaron Judge hit out is pretty much the exact pitch or one of them that Vlad looked at in the or in the 3-0 at bat he had in the third inning two nights ago, and that just leaded to the frustration more. So, I mean, we spin in circles around and around with this team. It's the offense, it's the offense. And when the pitching is bad, it just leads to more frustration. But I don't know how much I can... I mean, obviously, you put some of it on Barrios last night, but when the bats are no, you, quiet you, again... You get two hits, it doesn't matter. Exactly. On, on the hill. It really doesn't. <laughs> and again, Garrett Cole is great, is having a great season. It's weird. One of those weirdo situations uh, that Garrett Cole has been one of the best pitchers in baseball has yet to win a Cy Young Award. <laughs> mm. Not dissimilar to Nolan Ryan, like the greatest of all time. You know how many Cy Young Awards? I actually don't. Zero. Oh, how do, mm. Yeah. Well, this is a guy who was big time strikeout uh, artist, but yeah. he had his occasional moments with the with the walks and, mm. and giving up the occasional runs. But yeah, no, never. You know what he should do? What? He should... Uh, give a noogie to all those writers who wouldn't give him the Cy Young like <laughs> yeah. he did with uh, Ventura there. Yeah, it was more than a noogie. It was a little punch to the top of the skull there. Uh, yeah, no, you can't fault the pitching at all. <laughs> no. I mean, here's the good news is that you uh, protect your high leverage arms because that game got out of hand. I mean, I guess one run was out of hand for the Blue Jays offense right now. And the Blue Jays have faced just factually very good starting pitching first two games of this series. And I know there is a narrative out there in Blue Jays land, specifically Blue Jays Twitter, that the Blue Jays cannot hit high-level pitching. And that's true. But Blue Jays struggle against a lot of pitching. Yeah, it doesn't have to be good, guys. (laughs) And also, that's kind of why those guys are good pitchers, right? Like, if if they... the Blue Jays were able to touch them up. Well, their numbers would not indicate right. that they're having a great season also. It is also true, though, that when you get to the postseason, like the Luke Weavers of the world who is starting for the yep. Yankees tonight, who has a career ERA over five, and this is a guy with, like, a long track record. He is a journey man. <laughs> and I, I, I haven't tweeted it out yet, but I, I'm waiting for I can't wait to read it when you do. Uh <laughs> This is a, a must-win game, as decided by me, for the Toronto Blue Jays. You, I, I'm gonna, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to retweet that when you send it out. You should. Send it, me a text, though, because I probably won't see it. You cannot afford to lose this baseball game. Let me take you back, mm. Brent, to 1987. Madonna's Open Your Heart <laughs> was number one on the Billboard charts. Beverly Hills Cop 3 tops at the box office. Mm. The Annis family moving across the country from Manitoba to Ontario. And the Blue Jays were capping one of the biggest collapses in <laughs> franchise history. 
Um, if you're of a certain vintage, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. They were up two and a half games on the Tigers in the American League East with seven games to go. <laughs> they lost seven straight to wrap up the oh, season, including a three-game series sweep by the Tigers to wrap up the year. Okay, so that's that's the high watermark when it comes to discipline. And that was obviously before yeah. the first championships in franchise mm-hmm. history. So you, it was only 10 years into the existence of the franchise. But at that point, you were like, oh, my God. What, what, what does the future hold for, for this team? And, yeah, it was only a half decade later that they were uh, winning their first World Series title. That's the high watermark for disappointment at the end wow. of a season to miss the postseason. And, and I get it. This is not a perfect team. But the way they took four to six against the Yankees and Rays on that road trip before these final six games, um, I think anything that results in the Blue Jays being on the outside of the playoffs looking in even with a 90 or yeah, about a 90% chance of making the playoffs would be pretty akin to 1987. The way they seemingly had this thing sewn up. Uh, and again, Luke Weaver, mm-hmm. one win and, and those numbers jump back up into the high nineties, but we're on high alert after the way this team looked after the first two games of the series. How can you not be? And yes, it's about the first two games of this series, but it's not. I mean, maybe people won't go back all the way to the Baltimore series in August, But when we're going to lump all this in, we're definitely going to bring up that Rangers series, the four games at home. There's no way you can't. There have been so many moments in this Jays back half of the season, if you want to put it from August on or post All-Star break, whatever, where they have had an opportunity to shift the momentum, shift the narrative, change the conversation about the way their season is going. And at every single turn, Maybe there have been one or two times where they've taken little half steps forward to change your mind about them, but they continue to remind you who they are. This is very much the last stand. This is it. I don't know how you can look at it. And yes, I understand what you have waiting on the other side of this, but you have one of the worst teams in baseball. And yes, it is bad luck of the draw that you got King and and the guy who's going to win the Cy Young and Cole there in the in that Yankees series. But you have to find a way to take advantage. And yes, the Rays are tough. Yes, the Rangers are tough. Guess what? Playoff teams are tough. If you want to consider yourself one, you have to be able to compete against these teams. And that includes the terrible Yankees when they have a good starter on the mound. Yeah, the Rays are a great team, and they have 97 wins. They're going to, it seems now, fed accompli, that they're going to come into Rogers Center for that three-game series, having clinched the top American League wildcard spot, having nothing to play for. Yeah. Um, but it's baseball, and they have Savali listed as the probable for the first game of that set. But we'll see what they what they yeah. end up doing there. Yeah, so that's that's not a, a series that the Rays are all that intent on winning. Of course, there's like baseball god. Things if they like if they if they totally punt on that series and allow the Blue Jays to eke their way into the postseason, end up facing them in a first round series. I I think you and I have seen enough sports to to know that sometimes the sporting gods punish the team that doesn't take it uh, an opportunity to to punt a team out of the playoffs and then faces them mm. immediately. But this it's right in front of them, like it has been for the last week or so for the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. There's there's Mitigating factors, first two games, and pretty significant ones in, in Michael King and Garrett Cole are, are not tonight. And I did see, like, a little bit of frustration from a guy that I'm not used to seeing uh, frustrated. Bo Bichette, like, they showed a shot of him in the you dugout yesterday. You wanted the on him. You wanted the heart rate meter. Yeah, I certainly did. Clearly, this team understands the the circumstances that they're in. They mm-hmm. understand, like, how beyond the pale, the, this offensive performance through two games of a series that was very important to them 
it's been they want to win. They don't want to have to think about this thing. But but right now, they haven't been able to take advantage of the opportunity in front of them. Yeah, and it's a little, you know, it's a little less obvious this year. But that's always been the thing about this team is, you know, Bo does, to a certain extent, stick out like a, a sore thumb in the way with how, you know, heart to heart he seems to take things and how obvious it is to the naked eye. You know, Matt Chapman is a guy who's in kind of kind of similar vein there. And, yeah, I mean, you again, you you look at what this team has in store. And, you know, I will, I'll throw one more thing at, that obviously it's just about getting in. And yada yada yada. If Kevin Gossman has to pitch on Sunday, yeah, it bad. has been a collapse of epic proportions. Because I mean, we can sit here and say, "Hey, you like Barrios, and you do. You like Kikuchi, okay, maybe a little less so. Chris Bassett, okay. Now we're getting down the pecking order in playoff arms. If you don't have Gosman in that wild card series, and I'm not telling anybody anything they don't know, but just imagine what that does to your chances. So it's not even it's not even just about getting in at this point. And I know. The you know the 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 pedantic people out there are going to say yes it is just about getting in you understand what I'm saying you are cooked without Gosman going in that series you need him so it's not just about getting in it's about having it sewed up by Saturday night yeah and beyond that we know or before then I just want to yeah. clarify you don't have to take it to to that far beyond that Kevin Gosman has been fine on normal rest. Um, he's much better when he gets extended mm-hmm. rest. This is a guy that, especially at this time of the season, could absolutely benefit from a couple extra days off before starting in game one of a, a postseason series. All right, more Blue Jays to come, naturally, all show long. They're the uh, topic du jour uh, because w- we don't have a Dame Lillard story to talk about when it comes to the Raptors. The Milwaukee Bucks win the Dame Lillard sweepstakes, acquiring him in a three-team deal. So Portland gets... Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, Tumani Kamara, Milwaukee's 2029, unprotected first-round pick, a couple of unprotected Milwaukee swap rights in 28 and 2030, which is a long time from now. Uh, Suns receive Yusef uh, Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson. The Raptors get nothing. Uh, (laughs) There was a moment there where it did feel like they were going to get something. So Shams was, you know, he was... his fingers were 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 working away there, I, I composing say, some tweets. Shams is getting a little, I don't know. You know, you had the stuff at the draft with mm-hmm. the odds moving. This uh, is how I like Woj. Let me just say, okay, wow, you're taking sides. I okay, so you you don't end up as um as a Shams Tarania or a Woj, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski. Um, getting these tweets off as quickly as possible without having some backup tweets, right? Mm-hmm. Like you got to have okay. the drafts. The drafts True. are full, and you could see how an accidental click could okay. could send right. a sporting world spiraling. So there was a moment, ever so briefly, and of course, you know, the the internet is going to capture it, where Shams tweeted out a, a trade official, and it's Dame Lillard to the Toronto Raptors, which indicates to me and. To no one's surprise, especially considering the reporting over the last couple of days, the Raptors were very close. How close? I, I'm not necessarily sure. Hard for me now, though, to look at at the Masai Ujiri um, theory that the Eastern Conference is so wide open. That's part of the reason why you would push further mm-hmm. in despite being a 500 team. There's a clear number one in the Eastern Conference right now, and it's the Milwaukee Bucks, who have already won a championship with an MVP in Giannis Antetokounmpo, and I got one of the best pure scorers in Dame Lillard. Yeah, they are they are the class of the East. I mean, you know, 
we've seen the Sixers and their propensity to implode. We've seen the Celtics, and uh, it feels like whichever way the wind is blowing on any given day in Boston, that is either the single greatest team ever built or Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum can't stand each other because the other one touched the ball too much. So there are obviously problems that can kind of crop up anywhere else. We don't know how this is going to fit. I mean, everyone always assumes it's going to be just seamless. I I think that, like you said, the East is so wide open that there's more than enough time to figure this out. But anytime you've had a guy like Dame who has been so ball dominant, and that's not to say you don't want to continue to have him in that role, but playing with a guy like Giannis is completely different than anything he's ever dealt with in his career. And obviously it's an exciting challenge. It's what he's, he's excited for, but it's not to, it's not to say there won't be some bumps in the road along the way. So I'm, I, I, they're clearly the number one team. It's a great move for them. It is the worst case Ontario for the Raptors. I I think because it kind of removes all the possibilities of fun, (laughs) Uh, but yeah, good, good for the bucks. Good for the Bucks, bad for the Raptors. Uh, so, again, the reporting um, and Michael Grange on this as well. The Raptors were they're, they were in it. They were in it to the end, and, and Sean's thought they were really in it. But apparently they were in it without including OG Ananobi in any of their trade proposals to the Portland Trailblazers, which actually changes my thinking a lot on it because okay. I— I think what we both came to as far as a conclusion on this thing and 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 the Raptors' thought process is that, hey, it would be fun, and why not? It's better than a 41-win team running it back uh, with very minimal changes and losing Fred Van Vliet. Um, but ultimately, it doesn't seem all that smart for a team that was a 500 team and lost in a playing game to, to, to push chips in for a guy who's a needle mover but not a championship maker necessarily. That was under the assumption that the Raptors were giving up a key cog, one of the the key p- p- uh, parts of this nu- nucleus in a young player who's a pending free agent, but OG Ananobi. If you were able to partner Dame with OG, mm-hmm. with Pascal, with Scotty Barnes, now you get now you got mm-hmm. something that I I could have, despite the fact that you still have the depth issues that they had this year, which was part of the reason they only won forty one games. Mm-hmm. I think there's a a very interesting ceiling with that group. I, I, I think it's a different conversation, and honestly, I see the path forward. I, I see what Masai Ujiri was thinking if that was the trade proposal that he had pushed forward to the Portland Trailblazers that he thought he could get over the line. Yeah, it's just I'm trying to think quick math. That's probably Gary Trent Jr. and Chris Boucher. It's and a lot Brady of ancillary Dick pieces and, because you got to make and, the salaries work. Well, and we talked about it. So, and we talked about it with Grange yesterday that because of this, uh, uh, the siphon rule that effectively, not effectively, it does protect NBA owners from dumb decisions, which how dare you? Uh, yeah. We love them in let sports. Let them be dumb. Uh, uh, maybe just protect the ones I care about. Yeah. But other than that, let yeah. everybody else be be dumb out there. Of course, you'd love that. I just don't. I think that that's why they were in it. But ultimately, if you're looking at it from Portland's perspective and you see the return they got, that's probably better than Trent and Boucher and a a bunch of pieces. But it's also your quote unquote doing right by Dame. You know, it's not sending him to his ultimate destination and say what you will about Milwaukee. And this is a good point to have the conversation about Toronto versus Milwaukee. But it's also playing with Giannis, which is uh, a little bit different than kind of anything else Toronto yeah. can offer. No offense, Pascal Siakam, who has at times been the second best player on a championship team in 2019. Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player mm-hmm. on a championship team and an MVP. And obviously yeah. the path forward to winning a championship is a lot 
clearer in Milwaukee than it would be in Toronto for Dame. Here's where I'm at with that, though. And I I, I think I mentioned this yesterday mm-hmm. that I put it at 0% that Dame would cause any commotion yeah. if, in fact, he was traded to Toronto. Don't believe anything you hear in this regard. We've now seen it twice, right? We did see it with Kawhi Leonard mm-hmm. in, in 2019, or I guess 2018, going into the 18-19 season, <laughs> that there were some rumblings yeah. that he might not even show up for Toronto. First media availability, no issues, and of course was load managed, um, but was a pretty key contributor to a championship team. Dame Lillard, like immediately, love it. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he's he's tweeting out farewell to the Portland Trailblazers, and Ugh. and yeah, it, it's it's not Miami. Milwaukee's about as far away from Miami, not actually geographically, but like culturally as you can get on planet Earth. <laughs> But it's fine. He's going to be fine. Yeah, it's going to be fine. Uh, Just quickly on the Kawhi stuff, some of those pictures popped up. Maybe it was because it was the anniversary of of media day or whatever it was. And Kawhi Leonard looking at, okay, this is my life now on his face. And Masai Ujiri (laughs) looking like me when I bought my first house. Like, so (laughs) proud. Look at what I did. And Kawhi's like, okay, we're going to do this thing. That that media day was just uh, an absolute scene. In terms of the Lillard stuff, I think you're right. It's a good thing to point out that we have now heard these rumblings of, hey, guys won't go, guys won't go. They're they're probably going to go. They're going to go. Yeah, they're going to go. And like you said, now... the thing that I think people would point out and say, ah, they're not going to go just anywhere. Yes, if, you know, I suppose the Charlotte Hornets, maybe people think LaMelo Ball is exciting, so maybe that's a bad example. But if they get sent to some true backwater with no yeah. other superstar, then yes. But guess what? Yeah. That team's not making that trade because it's never going to work out in the in the long run from them. So, yeah, I think I think the I think the prevailing thought we need to land on with this is that these guys will get to a spot there comfortable with maybe not their preferred destination yeah and i think the other spot that i'm at is that uh these superstars who like intimate maybe not even make explicit demands but Mm -hmm. intimate like Giannis intentacumbo did this summer in his interview with the new york times (laughs) that hey i guess not imminent because we got a couple more seasons where i'm under contract and i can start talking extension next Mm -hmm. season like i I might not be around if you don't really start showing me you want to win those guys, like yeah. that, that pressure does reach the, the top of the franchise. Here was the, the quote from that New York Times piece. I would not be the best version of myself if I don't know that everybody's on the same page. Everybody's going for a championship. Everybody's going to sacrifice time away from their family like I do. If I don't feel that, I'm not signing. So J- Drew Holiday was a huge part of mm-hmm. that Bucks team that, that won that championship and gave Giannis his first ring summarily dismissed, like yep. sent out the door because Dame Lillard is a, a more significant asset, a, a greater superstar, brings a lot more scoring potential, not the two-way player that Drew Holiday is. But, yeah, Giannis clearly wanted something to happen this offseason, and he got his way. Well, it's very fitting that it's Drew Holiday because I'm sure a lot of people have seen the clip that's floating around of the NBA All-Star draft when Giannis and LeBron were captains, and LeBron's there. He's like, oh, I know who you're taking with your first pick, mm-hmm. and he takes Damian Lillard, and LeBron's saying, oh, your teammate, Drew Holiday. I thought you were taking Drew, so it is, <laughs> it is just super, yeah. super fitting. Uh, we should probably mention the Jimmy Butler uh, the, the audacity. Jimmy Butler, who I just want to go on record is to say, 
I love. Mm-hmm. Okay, he went into the bubble in Orlando and just said, I'm stealing everyone's per diem checks by selling them $100 cups of coffee. Yeah. Baller move. Don't try to do it to me because mm-hmm. I love coffee so much. Catch me at the right time. I just might do it. <laughs> but I love that. I love Jimmy Buckets, all of that stuff. It's all great. He has a video the other day of being, oh, my God, it cost me 150 bucks to fill up a Bugatti. What does this world come to? <laughs> Maybe keep that one to yourself. And literally any organism, I, if there is a, a microbial being that's ever been in the Miami Heat orbit that says eh, that other team's going to be tampering, Maybe keep that one to yourself. The king of tampering organizations, the Miami Heat, maybe keep those comments to yourself. Well, and I, is there maybe some truth to the idea that uh, the Milwaukee It's Bucks, the NBA, of right. course there's some truth. Right. I, I, I think there's, <laughs> as much as I, I said, I, I thought there was a 0% chance that Dame Lillard put up a stank about going to Milwaukee. Like, I think if the Bucks are pulling off a move like this, franchise altering, Oh, you think they spoke? They they probably want some pretty concrete assurances that Dame Lillard is going to be happy and that he likes cheese and beer. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I, I think it's perfectly I, fine. I, I also just want to say I've been crapping on Milwaukee a lot. I adore both of those things yeah. so much. I've never been to Milwaukee, not, but it seems like my type of place, honestly. Yeah. Beer, baseball, cheese. Yeah. Are you a fisher? Uh, no, I don't think in my entire life I've ever caught a fish. I gotta be honest, they're probably not two guys on the radio who have ever been less likely to say, let's go fishing. I refer to you as a fish. I'm like, do you, are you a fish? Do you fish? I'm so unfamiliar (laughs) with it. All right, so a couple more things on the date thing I wanted to to get to. Um, This opens up a very interesting wrinkle when the playoffs roll around next year that You know, obviously, if Giannis lays a complete egg, it can be his fault. But whatever happens with the Bucs can't really be Giannis's fault. Like, he's going to perform to a predictably amazing level, and Damian Lillard is going to be the very next place to cast any blame if this doesn't go well, and he has never been in that position before because everything he does is, hey, Dame tried his best, and for the longest time, I have, I, it actually shocked me that we got to this point with Dame because he was in the perfect sweet spot of NBA superstars where universally respected, universally lauded, universally loved, but just beneath that tier of superstars where we expect them to go and be great kind of regardless of what's ever around them. And now there are real expectations and he's going to be the guy to bear the brunt of it. And hey, I, not to say he won't come through. I think he has the game to do it. But if he doesn't, oof. Yeah, no, it's it's a, it's a true legacy test for him. It's a great, great point because he's he's even had great moments in the postseason, of course. And you know, he's been to a Western Conference final where they were swept by the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> they had, I mean... Go back and read some of the quotes. They were very proud of the fact that they had <laughs> halftime leads in all four of those games. This, oh, my God. Could you imagine? Uh, yeah. So this is this is not uh, a franchise in the Portland Trailblazers and a player in Damian Lillard who has a long track record of the highest levels of success uh, in the most important time of the NBA calendar. Giannis has. Yeah. Uh, and not on his lonesome, but like a lot on his shoulders uh, he's single-handedly I, almost led that Bucks team to a championship. So, it's, yeah, you're right to say that if they don't end up reaching those heights in a pretty flattened Eastern Conference outside of Milwaukee, it'll be 100% everybody's fingers pointing at Dame. I totally forgot about those quotes about that. Could you imagine? Oh, we kept it so close with LeBron. We did so well. DeRozan and Lowry, those, co- oh, those yeah. quotes coming out of their mouth. No, no one would want that. And the last thing on this is that, you know, Masai has proven he is truly the king of... 
if you have time, use it. Like we use this all the time in hockey. It's like a big Friedmanism. I hear him throw it out there all the time mm-hmm. regarding Masai is the true king of this, but maybe don't go to the absolute bitter end. We've talked about all the free agents to be on this team. And with Pascal, it seems pretty straightforward that I don't know how excited everyone's going to be about it. He's going to get his money. It's probably going to come here. It's going to be a monster extension. And that's just going to be it because that's how he's going to get his most money with OG. It is so up in the air. And this is an asset that clearly has such value across the league. And if you just turn this into running it back for seemingly the ninth time and he walks and we have a Fred Van Vliet situation all over again, except and God love Fred Van Vliet. This would be so much worse because a 3 and D guy in his prime who can defend all these positions is so valuable. You better make some use of this. Whether that be you find a way, and I don't see a path to this, to turn this team into something better than I expected to be this year or turn that player into pieces that will exist beyond this year. We're getting to a real kind of fork in the road moment. Or maybe we, we've we been sure at are. it and I'm just staring at the the impending waterfall I'm about to go off. It seems yeah, like. I mean... Those two guys not having contracts that extend beyond this season is is the clear reason why this is the year where decisions have to be made. Um, Drew Holiday is not going to be in Portland for very long, but that's a different deal if you're trying to boost the point guard position with a guy who was super valuable and was a key contributor on a championship team, but not a superstar difference-making player like Damian Lillard is. I don't think the Raptors are going to be in the market for his services, especially considering, you know, his value to a team that might be close to that championship ceiling. Who wouldn't want to give up significant assets at the deadline for a a guy who has been in pressure moments, who is one of the best defenders at his position and, and can make a bucket or two. This is the Raptors team. You're going to see at least for the first half of the season up until the deadline and maybe if they they exceed expectations and and bring in a new coach and and the young players look like they're meshing, you know, Grady Dick is a real thing, and Scotty Barnes, dis, despite kind of like the flat line in his development last year, returns to his upward trajectory, and and you can you can see a superstar potential there. Maybe this is a, a different conversation, but I feel like the sample's starting to grow with this team. And you're right, like there's there's going to be some hard questions for Musai Ujiri if. If the best move forward for this team at the deadline is to sell off assets and you don't control your own first round pick this year. It really feels like he is effectively, or I don't want to put this. No, I will just put this on Masai. I'm sick and tired of Bobby only getting blamed for bad moves and Masai getting good ones. Masai, this all seems to me like tap dancing, hoping, praying, and I don't think it's a complete impossibility, but I don't know how certain it is that we once were of Scotty Barnes taking this massive leap. And if that happens... I don't want to poo-poo what that can do to everything else around it on this team. You can, you have to squint like really, really hard, but you can see the vision of Pascal playing off the passer that Scotty can be and Grady Dick being the shooter. And you can, you can start to see the vision, but it's all just waiting for Scotty Barnes to take this not incremental leap, Mm. but a massive one forward. And it feels like that's part of the reason why we haven't seen a move with OG because Mm. the thought process, and I want to be clear, not the way I would go about it, seems to be, ah, we just got to hold on a little longer because what if we trade OG and Scotty shows the promise and it clicks and then all of a sudden we're sitting there scrambling for the OG Ananobi that can complete 
this core or this team. And I think that's the way, that's the reason why you've seen them hold on so long. Not the way I would go about it by any means, but I'm try, just trying to explain where I think the thinking is at. Well, we'll, we'll hear from Masai on Monday as the Raptors have their media day. He's going to tell us he still has time. He's like, oh, that stuff I could have done at the deadline. I can do it next deadline. We'll, we'll talk to Bobby Marks, ESPN front office insider after 8 o'clock as well. I, I, I wonder how Masai's perception is as um, a, a trade partner in, in these negotiations, in these conversations, because it's not the, the first time. It's actually like seemingly the hundredth time over the last couple of years that we've heard the Raptors very much down the path in trade negotiations and then coming up short, perhaps because he's holding too firm to his asking price, but maybe that's a good thing. I will talk to Bobby Marks about that later on in the program. When we come back, Maple Leafs into the win column. Cowboy! <laughs> Easton Cowan uh, with another point. Um, and also, Connor Timmins might not be a Toronto Maple Leaf when the regular season rolls al- uh, around. He had a four-point night yesterday in St. Thomas. We'll talk uh, a little Leafs, and we'll, we'll get you a Ryder Cup preview as the Ryder Cup cranks up tomorrow morning at like 1.30 in the morning. All right, it's Fan Morning Show. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Ben Ennis, oh, and Ryan Gunning. God, this is called Farewell. This is Dame Lillard. Who on... Who wants this? Sorry, Dame Dalla. That's that. That's his rap name. Yeah, Dame Dalla. We would, uh, we'll both come up with our rap names by the end of the. No, we will not. You? Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, certainly not. Um. <laughs> yeah, th- he had this one in the chamber. Well, I guess like is understandable because his trade demands were pretty clear. Whether he got his way and w- g- ended up in Miami was a different story. Ends up he's in Milwaukee, but on a team with championship aspirations and. Yeah, I, I guess it's not that untoward that you release a song titled Farewell on the day that your trade out of the only franchise you've ever known is consummated. Salt in, it might as well be called Salt in the Wound. Yeah. But that could be a hot 16. Give me that, Dame Dalla. Who who wants that? I guess his fans, I, I, I'm not going to pretend to understand the relationship they have with him out there. Mm. I understand he did a lot of great things for that franchise, and I'm sure people want to see him do well. This one, that's a little, that'd be a little too much for me, got to say. I, I, I can't imagine that song is streaming all that much in the city of Portland. Imagine John Tavares had Farewell in the chamber, <laughs> but it was like spoken word. Yeah. <laughs> Farewell. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be it. That'd be the whole song. It'd, yeah. be, it'd be like Johnny Cash's Hurt, which I referenced earlier today. All right, thank you for bringing up uh, John Tavares. Um, Maple Leafs, they win a preseason game. Bang. Good for them. John Tavares did make his preseason debut in that game in St. Thomas, Ontario, uh, at the Joe Thornton Community Center. Uh, Maple Leafs, 5-2 winners over the Sabres. First of all, why do we play preseason games anywhere but these small podunk communities mm, great question like why why do we play i i guess like you got to play maybe one or two Game ops needs the reps sure okay let's do like they play eight so many how about so many. like six or seven in places that it's going to be a huge event it's going to be an awesome scene that was cool and saying yeah okay it's cool every year that they do this why why not all the games because of people like me 
And I, I love the community of, of St. Thomas. I was telling you about their wonderful elephant the other day. You didn't know about that. They got the statue didn't, there. Didn't know about that. Okay? So I love these small communities. But I am who I am. I cannot stop this. I'm the biggest worry wart of all time. Mm. And... Every, and I, look, I know they have the ice taken care of. Yeah, I'm it's... just so terrified that something's going to go wrong in a not NHL facility, and that is going to be the thing I think of for the rest of my life. Like, John Klingberg tightening up is not that. I just want to be clear. But Yeah, John Klingberg tightened up, by if, the way. If I don't know. Like, heaven forbid Tavares caught an edge last night or something, and it's just I every time they're in these non-NHL barns, I get so Brent. worried. And this goes for this goes for the spectacle games, too. The BMO, the mm. big house, Fenway, all well, of them. this is what I was going to say. There is... This I, is no I way almost, to live my life? No, I can almost guarantee you in the hockey mecca that is this country and specifically this province, there is probably not a rink in operation <laughs> today that's any worse than, like, the ice at MSG. All right, that's fair. Right? Like, yeah, come on. You're right. You're right. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, you mentioned it. So, John Klingberg... Played in the game yes. briefly, did not come back for the third uh-huh. period because, as Sheldon Keefe said something, tightened up, sure. and, and they're going to reevaluate him today, which might actually be relevant news uh-huh. um, if we're talking about Connor Timmons, who had four points yesterday. So it looks like if you were estimating how this, this, this Maple Leafs lineup was going to look on opening day, considering they have to shed about $3 million yeah. bucks in to, to get under uh-huh. the salary cap, even with all the LTIR uh situations that yep. they have he was he was pretty clearly going to be on the outside of the 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 six defensemen looking mm-hmm. in and and it's easy way to clear a million bucks um but he had 14 points in 25 games a season ago he had the highest points per 60 of any least defenseman at five on five mm-hmm. with a minimum of of 300 minutes of ice time he's apparently put on some beef this year mm-hmm. he's 25 years old the problem was, of course, and still is, depending on on John Klingberg's availability, where where do you fit him? I mean, TJ Brody's clearly the the right side defenseman alongside Morgan Riley, Klingberg that middle pairing right side, yeah, and then Timothy Lilligren on on the third pairing. So if you have no room to to carry a seventh defenseman because of cap issues, he's clearly on the outside looking in. But that I would be remiss to to let that guy hit waivers who is clearly going to be picked up obviously yeah uh, i i'd be remiss to 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 potentially give up on an asset that that might really be a future piece for, for this maple leafs blue line future piece maybe a touch strong i think when it comes to timmins several things can be true and i'm the i'm Honestly, I feel like I'm the perfect guy to talk about this cuz gord loved to make fun of me so much last year on leafs nation post game for my love for Connor Timmons. I really liked what he added to the Leafs, the guy who can snap it around. You have mm-hmm. offensive players. You want to do all that. Two things can be true, though. All of the question marks we have about Connor Timmons still exist. And guess what? Uh, they don't really come up in a preseason game of in which there aren't NHLers in abundance playing on the other side of things. So I think that it's not just a where does he fit in terms of the right-left of the pairings. It's we. What do we always talk about with this team? is roles and mm-hmm. what is a guy going to do? What's his exact job? Well, if John Klingberg is going to be on PP1 mm-hmm. and Morgan Riley is going to be on PP2, oh, and Timothy Lilligren is also going to be there because they want to give him something to do. 
what is it you do here, yeah. Connor Timmons? Because, hey, it can be nice breakout passes. And the other part of this as well is that there's a very big difference between a player who is really valuable to you in the regular season to get you through 82 and right. be a key cog, and then you make a trade at the deadline, and all of a sudden that player is on the outside looking in we've seen this happen now more often it's with forwards it seems to be the way it goes but there's no reason that that can't be the way it plays out in terms of the cap of it all yarn croak is the guy i keep looking at this thing continues to linger here with mm. the day-to-day of it all that's 2.6 and mm. uh brendan pridham i'm sure can find some change in the couch to cover off the rest of that if you're able to put right. a big chunk like like yarn croak on ltir to start the season i wonder if that's the way you do it because this is what they've done in the past of having an injury flare up and you say all right good this gives us two weeks to figure it out and unfortunately i'd love to be wrong about this but unfortunately i think in those first two weeks of the season if you're able to get him through you're going to see the moments that say okay we like Connor Timmons we want to keep him around but he is not a fixture the reason he's a fixture on this blue line right now is because how bad this blue line is it's not necessarily what he's doing to to stand out I think yeah he he could maybe be a poor man's John Klingberg though like if it's Klingberg that that is missing a couple of weeks of the season we'll see what the tightening is yeah but yeah that's I mean that's the type of role that you could see him fitting a, a guy that's clearly uh, got an offensive slant on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he's going to, I think Morgan Riley goes back to operating power play one, but yeah, a, a guy that can maybe get a, a shot at quarterback in power play two. but mm-hmm. the, the, the numbers do stand out though. The fact that he, he's was, a point producer was given a not insignificant sample in the national hockey league a season ago of 25 games, 14 points. I know that's not all at, it comes down to when you're an NHL defenseman, but for him, that's his role. And he did it well, has done it well, and is under contract at a, at a reasonable rate if he continues to produce at under a, or just over a million bucks this year and next year. Yeah, I think the I I think it's the it's the fit with him on the team. It's not that you can't have a Connor Timmins. It's that you can't have a Connor Timmins and a John Klingberg. Right. And to Morgan Riley. Now, right. Morgan Riley isn't quite in the same vein as those two. We've seen it, but we've also seen the other version of that. And then it's the right left pairing thing where you get into the problem of how does this team have too many right shot defensemen now? What yes. uh, what on earth happened? It's like the Jays and their lefty bats. <laughs> oh no, the pendulum swung too far uh, the, the other way there. So I think that this is exactly what you want to see. Connor Timmons, you know, some people rolled their eyes a little when that contract was handed out. Did you have to give it to him then? No, you didn't. Could you have maybe got a couple hundred K off it? Yes, but there are going to be weeks like this where you say, ah, how's he not a $3 million player? And there are going to be weeks where you say, how is this guy in the NHL? He is just one of those, not replacement level guys, because you can't produce like that and be replacement, but he has the holes in his game that will make him seem that way at, at times. But Given the state of this Leafs blue line, I think you got to give it a shot. You have to try to find a way. All right. So as I mentioned, John Tavares made his preseason debut yesterday. I bring this up because my kid had his first official practice of the season yesterday. He's playing rep for the first time. Congrats. Yeah. He, uh, he's uh, he's not yet eight. He turns eight uh, tomorrow, actually. is his birthday. Mm. Um, but yeah, he, he took to hockey quite a bit in the first couple of years that he's played. And he said he wanted to try out and, and he made the team. I, I, I can't say that I'm for sure that there were any kids cut, but yeah, he's on the team. He's on the team. I just think he wanted to big dog you. He's like, dad, already best athlete in the house. This is what I think wanted to happen. So yesterday, they they were selecting jersey numbers. So this was not 
I, I, for whatever reason, they had already pre-ordered the jerseys, mm. and there was a list of numbers that you could select. But it's not like, in, in my experience in, in House League, yeah, I, yeah. I never played rep hockey, but in House League, it was, hey, we, we start in the single digits, yep. and, like, the highest number like, you get is 20. Yeah, like there's, there's is, yeah. yeah, 15, 16 kids on the team. Like, 20 is the highest number. Mm-hmm. They had a real eclectic bunch of numbers. A lot of, a lot of 90s. Okay, so... So he was 19 last year. Okay, that's a hot hockey number. It gotta absolutely say. is. Number. And he was like, ah, I was, I was like, no, that's a no, good that's one. A good one. Stevie Y, like, yeah, come on. Like, really good. Yeah, that's a really good number. Uh, he couldn't get 19 because 19 was on a large jersey. Uh, so you know what he got instead? You know what was available? I'm dying to know. 91. <laughs> you know what else was available? What else? There's, there's going to be some kid... On his no, rep team no, no, at eight years old, no. wearing 97. Oh. Which I, okay, so for the kids, they're like, that's cool. Like, I'm Connor McDavid. I, I, I can't I imagine. That. I hate that. Like, that, that to me would be mortifying as a parent. Like, I, 91 is, is tough enough. No, that's fine. That's because here's the thing about 91 is that it has a great history for our nation because 19 is such a great hockey number mm-hmm. that every Team Canada camp, the guys come to, and I can't confirm this, but my understanding is they have a, a fight to the near death yeah. uh, for who gets to wear it. And then it's like, you get 16, you get 91, you get 61. Mm-hmm. So, uh, 91, you're, I cannot I have know. a quibble with. The captain of the, the, the most significant oh, that's fine. You, franchise in how the many National kids, Hockey League. How many kids wore 13 growing up in this city? Yeah, that was embarrassing too. Though. No! <laughs> Honestly, oh. I, I feel God like any, no, any, anything under 20, it, yeah, the, I think you're, you're okay. You're Lou I think you're okay, actually. <laughs> yeah, You're Lou Lamorello running your kid's hockey team. There's a difference. <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like... Anything in the 90s. This is amazing. I, 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 I don't know. It's a tough one. Okay, here's where I'm at on it. Okay. 66 is out. 99 is well, out. Yeah. Yeah. And the, yeah, the <laughs> They're other, not bold enough no. to throw 99 no, in okay. there. 97. <sighs> I mean, 87? Like, come They're, on. They both should be out, but I get being. You no, know, they should I, 100% be out, man. Okay. Yeah, imagine your kid. Was wearing 97. My kid's going to wear 16 like I did for Darcy Tucker, baby. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah not, for, not for the other guy. Yeah. <laughs> I Just wanted to know. get that clear. To me, I was like, no, okay. Not, no, no. Like, true, and I want to be clear, I would never, ever, ever disparage heart and soul captain leader of the Toronto Maple Leafs, John Tavares. Mm-hmm. He ain't Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, Wayne Gretzky, or Mario Lemieux. I agree. That's so, why I was like, yeah, I was a little bit irked It's also by it. weird, though, that, you know, like, Bobby Orr was pretty good. Mm-hmm. And if a kid wears four, we're not like, well, who's this guy think he is? That You know what? Thinking about it a little bit more, and you mentioning the 13s that were floating around the GTA 20 years ago, mm-hmm. I do think it's a different deal when you're talking about a number that's under 20. When you mm-hmm. get into the the... the like, it takes effort to go out and it get, does. like, if it you're does. 13, again, you're playing a house just, league, they're a, handing available. them out, right? You're right, you're right. This is like, oh, I wanted 91 because John Tavares is my my mm. favorite hockey player. I love it. I love it. 97 because Not, I think I'm the next Connor McDavid. 87, 87 because I'm Sidney Crosby. Well, so what like, I, how, how, how different is it from 99 or 66? Well, it, I don't, I think it's different because they're still active like it's still a touchable entity i guess but well we know like we know crosby's 87 because it's his birth year we know yes. mcdavid are we gonna have 
Like, oh, like, are we going to get all five jerseys? Not five, all five. Oh, are we going to get, like, is 11 going to be a hot number soon? I don't, I'm bad with math and when kids will be playing stuff, but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, no, that's right. <laughs> oh, five. That's it. Not five. It's like, I, okay, here's five. Dad, I told you five times. <laughs> I wanted all five, not five. It would be a good way. Hey, the, the New York Yankees who have, I don't think any single digit Jersey numbers remaining because they have all any been left? Retired? Just no. any jerseys. Yeah. I mean. No, I, I think that's a great way to add a, a few more numbers. Add the zero before the single digit. I love it. Deion Sanders, uh, just because he's connected to everything in the world, he banned his players from wearing zero. Uh, will not allow it. Says, why would you want to be a zero? Oh, and a one. Love that. Anyway, so I, I, I was a little bit perturbed by it. I, I'm fine. I'm glad he didn't get 97. I I'm, I'm so happy for you that that didn't happen. <laughs> I, I would have had to come over to give your child a talking to, and we're not even close like that. Um, I, I didn't think I would be as into this hockey dad stuff as I have turned out to be, but like I, I, I'm quite enjoying it. Oh, I got my kids skating lessons every Sunday morning. This Sunday morning is going to be electric. 8.30, mm-hmm. watching my kid, let's be honest, slop around on the ice and yeah. cry half the time. And then I'm going to throw him in the car, go home and watch NFL football because it's on at 9 o'clock in the morning. Perfect Sunday. And I love it. Hockey daddom. It's exciting. I hope your kid gets uh, 99. That'll be great for him. Uh, he will you'll be finding a new residence if that's the case. <laughs> All, right. All right. When we come back, um, we're going to get back into the Blue Jays, who, again, failed to create anything at home, which has been uh, their want all season long. And some pretty interesting stats from MLB.com's Anthony Castrovents about how home teams have struggled to win this season. That and a whole lot more coming up next on the Fan Morning Show. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.